Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I am so thrilled to have here today Erica Everson, who has her own Reiki and biofield tuning practice called Vantana Soul. I am just thrilled because Erica um, left her full-time dental hygienist position to go all in on her energy practice and I could not be more proud of her, and I just thought it would be so amazing for her to share her journey and, um, you know, where she came from, how she got here, and what the process was like from switching uh, or transitioning from that, you know, working for somebody else to working for herself. So, Erica, thank you so much for being here. Will you give us a little introduction? Um, first, I want to say thank you, Jillian. I've listened to all 78 of your podcasts. I'm a huge fan and I'm extremely flattered and honored that you asked me to do a podcast. Um, my name is Erica Everson and my business name, yeah, it's Ventana Soul, VentanaSoul.com. I do Reiki and that's, that was my first introduction to energy medicine. And then I knew that I wanted to do more with it. So I uh, went on and started my hypnotherapy certification, but I got to essential uh, hypnotherapy. I didn't finish the clinical and I was introduced to biofield tuning as um, um, certification program. And that just kind of took over my whole business. So that's, where I'm at now, and I'm also a dental hygienist. I still sub every now and then. I'm going to keep my foot in the door just because I do enjoy it. I just don't want to do it all the time anymore. After 25 years, it was time to hang up the loops. Yeah. Se, so. Well, how many years? 25 years? 25 years, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Not yeah. very many people stick with this profession for, well, I guess there are a lot of people that stick with the profession for that long, but. Um, yeah, that's great. That's a commitment. Yes, yes. It was quite the commitment. So, but I was ready. I was more than ready. I had been ready for a while, actually, to step away. But yeah, you know what I was, I was writing about today, my journey with, um, you know, leaving my nursing profession and how there were all these like thoughts and beliefs that were kind of like standing in between, you know, me be you know, being the nurse and then also like stepping into my practice full time. Did you have any of those things come up? You know? Yes. Yes. For one thing, um, I'm a single mom with two boys. So stepping away didn't seem like an option to me. You know, I thought I have, I was used to joke. I said, dental hygiene feeds my kids and Reiki feeds my soul. And eventually I said, there has to be a way that I can, you know, do both with the one that I love to do. Obviously I like helping people. That's why I think most of us that go into these professions or this type of stuff, we like helping people. But I started off as a dental hygienist. I was not into energy work, didn't understand it, didn't know anything about it growing up. And I think after college in my twenties, I read a book called The Celestine Prophecy. And that was my very first introduction to any type of energy. And it just, that book burned into my memory because it just resonated with me. It just made complete sense. 
And I think as most of us um, that grow up as empaths and you don't know what that is, I always had a lot of anxiety and depression growing up. Like it seemed unmanageable many times. And I think before that, you know, after college, I always had a reason to have anxiety, whether it was in high school, you, you have schoolwork and I had sports. And then from there you're working, trying to save money. And then you're in college and you always have a good excuse as to why I had so much anxiety or why I had depression. And I think once I entered in my career and it seemed like, well, I, I haven't had my career. I moved to California. Like everything seems to be going well. Why am I still feeling like this? And reading that book just kind of um, started planting a seed on energy and what's really going on. So I first moved, I came back to, I'm from Tucson, Arizona originally, and that's where I am back, I'm back. And I moved to California. I've always had that mail slot that Eileen talks about. And I'm the kind, I always get a lot of mail, but I don't always open the envelopes, if you don't know what I mean. So I think when it piles up too much, I, the universe or God just kind of finds a two by four to smack me in the forehead. But I went to visit my sister who was living in Oceanside, California. And I had visited her a few times. And this was the first time she took me to Carlsbad, California in particular. And the moment I stepped foot there and I saw the ocean, I said, I need to move here. I just, I can be a little impulsive. And I did, I came home. And that was back when um, jobs were in the newspaper. I applied for a license in California and I just moved literally from one month to the next, I was already gone. And I absolutely loved it out there. It helped my anxiety. You know, I would take long walks, walks on the beach. And then there's this little metaphysical store in Carlsbad, California, downtown, the old Carlsbad. And it was called uh, The Mystical Dragon. And anytime I was feeling anxious, I would walk in there and, you know, they have all these beautiful stones and crystals and books. And I'd walk in there, I'd either pick out a book and read a message that I needed to hear that helped me, or I would just love to look through all their, you know, jewelry and crystals and stuff. And I would read what their properties were, but I always walked out just feeling a bit better, just mm -hmm. a little more relaxed. I felt very at ease in there. And they started, um, I started meeting people, you know, people that work there, people that were customers there. And they started offering classes on, you know, astrology or kinds of, you know, this and the spiritual realm or metaphysical realm. And again, I just fell in love with that whole um, subject. And at the same time, you know, I'm doing my dental hygiene as well. Um, and through that process, I was lucky enough in these classes, we all just formed a friendship. There's a group of us women, maybe about a dozen of us. And there was a couple of Reiki masters in that group. So they decided we all just kind of became certified Reiki healers. And we all just started doing group healing sessions, which I just loved once a month. And that was my introduction to Reiki and I just, after a year or two, I would go up to the next level and go to the next level. And what Reiki did for me is it helped my peak. You know, if you look at a sine wave, 
with anxiety and depression. And then later I developed a, an autoimmune disease. So it helped me manage it. So it became, the sine waves were still high and low, but they became kind of longer. And um, it would help me with my pain as well. And it helped me get through a nasty divorce and uh, just kind of helped keep my sanity. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think I was- I just want to point out, sorry. Mm -hmm. I just want to point out that I just think it's so cool that you kind of discovered this way of healing for you by going to a metaphysical shop. They were offering classes. And like, I just think it's so cool that for the listeners, or like we could be the- that for somebody else who's struggling with something and we offer that introduction to something different that they've never heard of yeah. they've never tried before and it can be extremely life-changing yes yeah. absolutely yeah that's it was that for me and it's just like everything starts to unfold you know after that then you'll start getting you know leads go this way go that way or you meet the right people at the right time yeah so that was amazing I we had um to this day we're all really good friends they're like a family I want to say we met up every two weeks for I was out there 15 years so maybe 10 11 years wow that we all you know would would hang out and we would just we even there was a lot of nurses in that group and we even um got a grant to work with the hospice down there, Reiki, oh, wow. um, traditional palliative care with hospice um, patients versus traditional with Reiki. And it was just very humbling and very amazing to see or be part of something like that. It was, yeah. uh, it was such a wonderful- At that time, it was kind of like only in California can, you know, do you see yes. something like that? You know, yeah. maybe, maybe a little bit. I think Massachusetts was doing something like that, probably different places around the country, but California is known for getting those things started first. Yeah. Yeah. That's my sister. They used to tease me like, oh, you California people, you know, we were weirdos, but I loved it. <laughs> I just felt completely at home. That was my thing. And during that time, actually during my divorce, um, I, I was at working for one um, person, uh, dentist for nine years who got really sick. And then I was kind of, I was saying, um, I was inherited by the person that bought the practice. And we, for the first time in my life, I was, and I think it was because I was so stressed out. I was actually like butting heads with my boss. And that's not me. That's not my personality. Mm. But luckily it worked out. And then she realized, because, you know, we had that she purchased the practice of same patients. She's like, why are they so calm? And in dentistry, as you know, there's a lot of anxiety in dentistry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of anxiety. So I just learned to kind of get my, get the Reiki running through myself. I would just kind of prepare the room and I would just let it flow. And either, you know, they either accepted it or they, they didn't. Right. But a lot of times I would notice they would, it would calm them down. So she even noticed, and she asked me about it and I just told her it's probably the Reiki. So I moved away a few years later, I came back to Tucson and I was talking to her on the phone and she became a Reiki master, which I was, I, I saw it as such a blessing. And it was, 
she's, I really admired her because she's the kind that would always do everything scientific research. She would research everything before she did it. She's a really good dentist. And um, so the fact that she went on and got her Reiki master, I felt proud that I was part of her journey in that sense. But then she mentioned that she had a pain in her hand that wouldn't go away and that she had a biofield tuning session and it went away. She said, mm. yeah, it was done online. That's how you heard about biofield tuning. That's how I heard about biofield oh. tuning. And at first I thought, tuning forks, <laughs> like, how can they work, you know, remotely? It just, it kind of stayed in my mind. And I don't think I looked it up right away, but I had been working here in Tucson and moving back here, I stopped doing Reiki and everything because I went back to just trying to figure out who am I, where do I fit in, trying, you know, it had been 15 years since I lived in Tucson. So I had to become reacclimated and my anxiety started coming back, my depression. I just didn't feel like I was in a position to do Reiki on anybody. Mm. So um, after about five years working, I had to leave the hygiene job I was at. And this was maybe January, 2020. And I had met somebody else, ran into, again, just a series of all these crazy events that happened. And I ended up, um, they asked me to work, do Reiki. They found out I did Reiki at a recovery center. And so I started working there at the recovery center. At that time, I was the only one that did any type of energy medicine very small, maybe three or four people there. And I highly recommend for anyone, biofield tuning, any type of energy work, if you work at a recovery center, because it was, I was seeing 12 people a week from, you know, private practice. I am still not even there yet, but you're just kind of immersed in it. And as you know, the more you do it, the more clear you become, the more information you can download or more mail slots. So I was learning so much. Mm -hmm. My um, Reiki abilities, it just really um, increased. My intuition really increased by doing it. So then they hired a director and they really started growing that department of the integrated departments so all of a sudden, they're hiring people that do massage and Reiki or craniosacral and Reiki. So I was no longer the only Reiki person, but I was also, that was the only modality that I did. But I better step up my game. And I remember the uh, biofield tuning. So I looked into it, I researched it, and it was love at first sight, honestly. I read the website. I think I watched a couple of YouTube videos and that, that that's it. That's for me. I just knew it. There was no question. So I started looking up. I think this is when the classes were still live in person. Mm -hmm. And then, so I was looking at some that were in San Diego and then everything, then COVID hit, everything shut down. And so I put myself on the newsletter and when the first foundations class became available that I was able to get into, I did. And I was backtracked a little bit with Reiki. I had also introduced um, singing bowls in my practice. You know, it's just one of those mail slot things. I had one for each chakra and the clients really loved, they just loved the sound. And then I found these huge crystal tuning forks 
And when mm -hmm. I started using that in their field, I just not just waving it around. Um, it was amazing because all of a sudden there seemed to be less static in their field. And this is before wow. I took the classes. So I could already tell energetically that it cleared the static mm. in their field. And so when I would do Reiki, it was like a lot easier for it to, for them to absorb, for it to get wow. yeah, because of that. So I was really excited to start, um, you know, taking the classes on biofield tuning. And then when I, I took those, the class and I started slowly kind of just introducing it with my Reiki practice. And again, that just took over again. It just, that's all everybody wanted to do was a biofield tuning. Um, they could get Reiki somewhere else, but I was the only biofield tuning practitioner there. So um, that's pretty much all I did all of a sudden. Yeah. And again, you're doing dozens of these a week. So you just learn so much and you're, if you listen, so my deep listening, my deep sensing skills really just improved and increased a lot. Yeah. And so uh, I have a question for you. Sure. I see a pattern here. You just say yes. Like you're like, people are like, Hey, we want you to come do Reiki at the, at the recovery. And you're like, okay, yes. Uh, you know, hey, oh, this biofield tuning is really okay. Yes, moving to California, all that. So, tell us a little bit about your mindset and, you know, this. Where did this come from, or have you always had this, or what's your thought process? <laughs> I'm not. My family thinks I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> they do. Uh, I actually moved to Europe on a yes as well. You know, we were going to go on vacation. My friend said, let's go out there and just find jobs and in Europe and live in Europe for a while. Said, okay. And it was one of the most amazing things I've ever done, but it's, I don't know. I think it just feels right. You know, because there's a lot that. of, I just trust it. Um, I don't know it when I don't, I don't question it because if I give myself time to, um, or doing the pros and cons, sometimes it, um, then I'll talk myself out of it. And there's plenty of situations where I've talked myself out of mm -hmm. doing something. And I look back at it now and I'm like, I wish I had done that. So, yeah. um, yeah, some of these things, I just, because it just feels, you know, it just felt right to do it, to move to California. The moment I felt the air, like, this is it. Um, even recently, I woke up, I had a house here in Tucson a few years ago. And I woke up one morning and said, I'm going to sell it. And I stopped and I thought, no, you know, let me sleep on it. It's a big decision. Where am I going to live? Let me sleep on it. So I did. A few days later, I still had that feeling of, sell it. Mm -hmm. I did. I called a friend who's a realtor and it sold quickly, but then I thought, where am I going to live? So I moved in with my sister for a while because I wanted to buy a house, but the market was insane. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up renting a townhouse and this townhouse of the 12 months I was there, I'd say 10 of them, something was wrong. I'm talking floods. Oh my like gosh. Three, it was all water stuff. So I don't know what that means, but um, it rained so much in Tucson. We don't get that much rain. The water came through the walls. 
Oh and my gosh. And yeah. And it would, it flooded one of my bedrooms like three times. Um, a bunch of my stuff was ruined. Then my washing machine would go out. Then my sink would back up um, my kitchen sink and for weeks or days and my AC unit would leak. And my, I knew people that lived there and not everyone had an issue. So I could think, okay, something's pushing me out of here again. Maybe I need to leave, you know? Like I said, that two by four. So finally, I ended up in a situation where um, my rent was really, was maybe 25% of what I was paying at the townhouse. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said, okay, it's now or never because I had been moving around doing dental hygiene for a while. And even as Reiki, I was considered, you know, having my own practice or doing something, but Reiki never felt like enough. I don't know if that makes sense. Hmm. I didn't feel the stability enough to make that leap. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing biofield tuning. I was doing that on the side and working dental hygiene. And then I went down to part-time doing dental hygiene, doing more on the side. I picked up other side um, side gigs because uh, just that's how badly I want wanted out of dental hygiene. So I started doing some photography. It was my hobby. And I started doing senior portraits. And then uh, I think I got asked by, um, I did a high school cheerleading team a few years. And then I got asked to do uh, Little League, my son's Little League. Mm -hmm. So um, that's some nice, you know, pocket change on those. And so I started realizing, especially during the pandemic, I'm like, I can make a living off of my side gigs or for many different avenues. And I even started doing lift. Actually, the first time I did lift, I hated it. I did it two, twice or a couple of years ago. Said, screw that. I'm not doing that again. But then I started doing it again this year and it's just knowing when to drive. So I just figured out the system a little bit. And what I love about it is I can do it when I want. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm my own boss. I don't think I can go back. To being an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made so many dentists so much money, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's all my blood, sweat, tears, because it's mostly labor. It's yeah. all my energy. Yeah. And um, and so I thought I'm gonna put that energy towards me. I'm gonna invest that into me and what I want to do, my business. Yeah. And so and like I said, once my situ- my housing situation settled down, um, I decided to take the leap. And with biofield tuning, I felt that it was okay to do. It was, I didn't feel the hesitation like I did with Reiki alone. Mm-hmm. Biofield tuning, I just, and there are times, and that's what has helped me with um, your coaching, Jillian, is that, um, you know, you've talked me off the ledge so many times. Taking your courses gave me a lot of confidence in myself and in this modality and being part of a wonderful community of other people doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't, I don't feel alone or truly, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm trying to do this alone or figure it out alone. But yeah. I, have- I think that can be the scariest part is feeling like, like doing it and feeling alone. And I actually, it, it's just so important. I think for whether you're a biofield tuning practitioner or 
you know, you make t-shirts for a living. Like if you're an entrepreneur, like having some sort of support system is it's critical. It's critical. Like I was just on the phone, um, Penny Murray and I talk a lot and we were on the phone this morning and I, you know, she was the sounding board for me and my, you know, my business worries and things like, and it just, it, it feels so good to just be able to have that. Yes. So I'm glad that that's something that you've definitely got out of it. Oh, absolutely. Especially because my family thinks I'm crazy because of my impulsivity and sometimes I don't even understand it, but it's um, being with the group, not that everyone's jumping, but at least you understand the passion behind this work and, and, and there's people that have made it work and have made a business of it, successful business of it. So yeah. it's nice kind of to bring you back. Like I said, when I'm on the ledge or what am I doing? What did I do? Then it's good to, you know, I'll have a meeting with you and it's like, okay, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm well, doing. Well, if you're crazy, then so am I, but yeah. hey, we're making it work. <laughs> yeah, we're making it work. <laughs> And actually, since you've told your story, I'm like, wow, we have more in common than I thought. Cause I'm a, I'm a yes person too. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but I very rarely think I've made the wrong decision. Even if it is impulsive, I'm like, okay, learned, learned from that. Let's move on. Yeah. And I think that's one big thing that I've learned is one thing I try and tell myself before making a big decision, I, I was thinking if fear was not in the equation, would I do it? Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, that's, that's a huge. question. Yeah. That's, that's a really powerful question. Yeah. And if the answer is yes, and I try and figure it out, you know, like yeah. what is, you know, you just start asking questions. Why am I afraid? What's the worst that can happen? And uh, so I always try and do that, you know, and in my situation, I'm like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? So nothing, you know, nothing, I don't get the clients or that's not the case. I mean, there's ups and downs with everything, but um, I just feel confident about it. I just know I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And um, so I rented one suite downtown and if I had had my house, I would not have done this if I would have kept my house, I would have kept doing dental hygiene Mm. because of the fear of not being successful, of having to pay everything myself, being the sole income provider, um, I would have stayed. And um, so every time I look back and think, why did I do that? I can always see there's always a reason you know, yeah. there's always a reason. And the regrets I have are things I said no to out of fear. Mm. Out of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Because the very, very good stories. Yeah. Well, there's one I think is funny. When I was in college, um, one of, I worked at the, at a, uh, what do you call it? A tutoring center. And one of the track coaches was one of the tutors there. And he said, because of um, some codes that they have in college, <clears throat> they had to have the same number of um, female athletes as the male athletes. And they didn't have enough females on the track team. And he said, would you join and just, you know, 
you don't have to be good, he pretty much said. We don't have high expectations. We pretty much just need a warm body. And I was so afraid, you know, I thought, you know, what am I going to do? I hate to run, first of all, first and foremost. Um, so I said no. And that's one of my regrets, just because I thought the very least, it would have been quite the experience. You know, how much fun, how much I could have said I was a college athlete, even though I know that it wasn't because I was good at it. But it just would have been, it would have made for a fun story. And that's just my, one of my little regrets where I say it was just because I was afraid. What would yeah. I with this. So I just learned. Yeah. I think it's good to have that memory to reference, right. For when the next thing comes up and that fear is there. Well, what mm -hmm. happened last time when I said no, because fear was present. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so that can, it's kind of like a, um, I don't know, just, yeah. Like a reference point for making decisions in the future. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, and you ask one of one of my favorite questions to ask when there's fears. What is the worst thing that can happen? And I, I will say when I ask that question to you all, like ninety five percent of the time, maybe even ninety nine percent of the time, it's an emotion. Mm -hmm. An emotion is the worst thing that can happen. And the good news is that that's always within our control. Yes, right. We can well, we can decide yes. to feel however we want to feel about something. Absolutely. And that's also one way that biofield tuning has helped me is I told you how Reiki helped kind of elongate my, my sine waves. Biofield tuning, I feel like even cut them in half. Like I don't have the high anxiety, unmanaged anxiety or the low lows anymore. I haven't since I've been doing biofield tuning, actually. And that's one of the main reasons I'm so passionate about it is how much it's helped me, how much it's helped my confidence. Mm -hmm. I'm doing workshops now at the recovery center. Um, I'm doing them here at the, um, I work at like a co-working space. I've been asked to speak at a woman's um, business owner group. And a couple of years ago, there's no way that I could have done that. Even last year, I did a video for my business and I was like deer in the headlights. I honestly could barely remember my name. And actually, I remember talking to you, Jillian, and saying that was horrible. It was terrible. I can't believe we had to do it. It took a lot longer than it should have because I just couldn't talk. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to do a trade with somebody. I said, I need work on my throat, please. And I did. And ever since then, and then I've done a lot of work with Penny as well with the ancestral and the, the adrenal. Mm -hmm. And all of that has just kind of helped me um, just be more in control of my emotions. And just my confidence is one thing that you have said, Jillian, is you're the expert in the room. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. <laughs> I'm the yeah. expert. Who's going to tell me no, don't, you know, that's wrong or whatnot. I am the expert in this subject in the room at the time. So um, it's been working out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even this is like a big deal. Like you wouldn't have done this a, a couple of years ago, right? No. Like being on a podcast and right. being interviewed for lots of people to listen to. You're doing yeah. great so far, by the way. This <laughs> <Good>. is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, I even... My and I used to do workshops. I was at a university for a year and I used to do workshops there on um 
on the employment and, and resumes and stuff. And even then I hated it because my voice would start to shake. It'd probably take a good 15, 20 minutes before it clear up. And then I knew I would be beat red. So just the fact that I've been able to overcome all of that for me has been thanks to biofield tuning. It's just amazing. It's amazing. There's so many yeah. to discover with this modality. Right. And it's like, it's such a, so I want to ask you a few things. I want to ask you um, what you know, like, so you were doing Reiki mm -hmm. with the recovery center, and then you started doing biofield tuning and what you noticed the difference was mm -hmm. um, with them. And then I wanted to ask about, cause I can, sometimes when we're, when I'm doing podcasts, I can hear like the listeners, like asking questions, like, what do your workshops look like? Like, how, like what, how do you, how do you move through the confidence of talking about this work in workshops? Cause there's a difference between giving workshops on like stuff, you know, that's more, I don't know, like, um, what's the word? Like, objective? yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Objective. Yeah. Versus this kind of very subjective yeah. material that's hard to measure. Well, for me, um, for me, Reiki, when I was doing Reiki at the center, um, I didn't get a lot of men that would request Reiki for one thing. It's and it's men and women there, and the the ones that loved Reiki were either the ones that were kind of surprised by how relaxed they were would request it, or the ones that were already into energy work. Mm -hmm. And when I started doing biofield tuning, to me, so to me. Reiki seemed more subjective, especially for those who, and it's hard to explain in, mm -hmm. this, in a way. And biofield tuning became more more tangible, especially for the men. And then I was talking to um, an uh, electrical engineer about it. And he said, Erica, everything that you're telling me, he said, it makes sense to me because as an electrical engineer, we apply those principles to structures. So I never once imagined that you can apply, apply those same principles to the body, but it makes sense. So that's when I started doing research and asking him, you know, what about this? Does this make sense? Research on the physics of it. And, and I know Eileen does a lot of that um, for, my, for my workshops. Mm -hmm. And that, and especially the men or people that are very, um, and I'm not sure about it, they hear the tones change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then with the deep sensing, the, that kind of freaks them out a little bit. Um, the deep sensing where you're like, you were smoking at 16, you know, things just kind of pop up. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I just get, you know, the numbers now pop up. I don't have to exactly, you know, figure out where the halfway point is. And sometimes I get things in metaphors and I usually will feel the emotion. So with all of that, um, it, it's kind of a bit of the wow factor for them, mm -hmm. but, but then they realize there's no way that I would know some of that stuff. Mm. And, and then they feel better too, but, and it makes sense to them when you explain um, the frequency. Mm -hmm. so. Do you ever get feedback there that like, that or have you gotten feedback yet that the people that are there they're like they're improving 
faster or they're like, like what's happening with their recovery process when they're receiving? I wish, I can't check in on them. Like you do your private clients, you can text mm. them the next day or something. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I work the next day and run into them, it's, you know, it's more private. The residents there for 35 days. So that's unfortunate, but there are some that I'll see multiple times and they do tell me it's improving. Many of them have said, this is life changing. Like, wow. Because they weren't aware that they were an empath. They weren't yeah. aware about that missing piece. Cause I tell them it's mind, body, spirit. And for me, spirit is, you know, the energetic or electrical system that most of the time is ignored. It's a tripod. Mm-hmm. And I said, without that, when you're just focusing on mental and physical, you're, you're missing that piece. So a lot of them discover that that's the piece that's been missing because they've been in and out of recovery centers for years, some of them. Yeah. So it's, and then, so I want to encourage everybody to, if you haven't already, go on the biofield tuning, find your practitioner and put yourself on there because a lot of times they go home, they're from all over, not just the United States, mostly the United States, but even the world. And they go home and they start looking, they're looking for a practitioner. A lot of them can't wrap their mind around the, the remote, you know, so some of them will reach out to me, but otherwise... I say, we'll go, you know, look for one around you. So I would encourage people to put their name on there because there are people that are searching for you. So, yeah. Yes. That's great advice. (laughs) They are, they're looking there and it's spreading. The word is spreading like wildfire. It's so funny how, when I talk about, when I used to talk about biofield tuning nine years ago, when I started, nobody had heard of it. But now when I say I, I do biofield tuning and the person like across from me is like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, hold on. What? Like biofield tuning? You've heard of that? And they're like, yeah. With the tuning part, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I had one person come in. They were um, signed up for Reiki and they walked into my room. I had my tuning forks. They said, Wait, you're the one that does the tuning forks, biofield tuning? I said, Yeah. Can we do that instead? I said, Absolutely. So we went ahead and, and did the biofield tuning, but they all talk, all the residents, you know, they'll do their modalities and at lunch or dinner. And for a while their biofield tuning was like the hot topic. When I was doing Reiki, none of the other integratives or anyone wanted to do trades with me. I never asked, but nobody asked me. But once biofield tuning and listening to all the um, residents talking about it, I'm getting a lot of trades now. You know, oh, everyone so wants cool. to experience it. And even the staff, I did a workshop for the staff and, and they're also wanting to experience it. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. so cool. So what's the next phase of your practice that you're stepping into? Oh, the next phase. Well, Miss yes, woman. I have, um, I've had this vision for a few years. And again, I was always afraid to do it. But coming, I think, you know, God, the universe placed me in this amazing um, place. I'm at, it's called the L offices. It's a co-working space. So there's people from all walks of life on all types of um, backgrounds. And I met a company, it's called Local First Arizona, and they help people who want to start a small business. And so they've been helping me with the business plan. And in the process of this, I'm talking to Julian, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should. 
grow or stand where I'm at? Should I slow down? Again, that whole, do I jump or not jump? And, you know, I made my list of pros and cons. And then I was going to start maybe medium, but then an old acquaintance of mine approached me and they want to invest in my business. They're ready to, um, you know, they have a successful business and they're ready to invest in something that's purposeful, that they feel good, makes, they, feeds their soul, right? Mm. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm in the middle of doing this business plan because I want to create what the mystical dragon did for me. Mm -hmm. I want to create oh a gosh, place where people might feel anxiety or lost or let me wander into this store and then have them get that little seed planted or that information or see that book or talk to that person that they needed to that made them feel a little bit better that day and, and spark their curiosity, whether it happens there or somewhere else. But that the mystical drink changed my life for the better. I mean, I'm here because of what they, the services they provided, and I want to do that for, for others. So I love how that comes full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And I was wondering like, why am I back in Tucson? My whole family's here, but I was very happy in San Diego. But um, I always feel, you know, I could look back now and I see why I think Tucson needs something like that. Yeah. So if there's practitioners out there that want a little help with their throat chakra, or their confidence, or their making decisions and saying yes, you think that's something you could help them with? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we already knew your answer yes, to I that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's kind of, um, I see a lot of practitioners and, uh, I thought people with trauma was, I thought that was the direction I was going in when we first started, but I think it's shifting to um, more people that are seeking yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. So empathic people. Um, there's so many of us out there, empathic people. And I think if I would have known, I've, I've seen some teenagers recently that I'm like, oh, they're an empath. And just, just them knowing and then starting to discern, yeah, that's mine, that's not mine, mm -hmm. brings you so much relief. Mm -hmm. Like, if you could just relieve a little bit of their anxiety from the beginning, because I dealt with mine for a couple decades, a few decades yeah. before I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's a lot to take on. It is. Other people's stuff. Yeah. And when you can acknowledge that it's, not yours to take on. It's like that weight is lifted. Yeah. Cause you feel like you're losing your mind or then you start a lot of the anxiety is why do I feel this way? What's going on? Why am I feeling this way? Am I, am I crazy? And not realizing it's not you that you're feeling it's someone else's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So friends, if you would like um, to reach out to Erica, you can go to Van Tant. Ben, sorry, ventanasoul.com. Ventanasoul. Yeah, Ventana's window in Spanish. What's that? Say it again. Ventana's window in Spanish. So it's like window to the soul. Oh, I love yeah. that. Ventanasoul.com. And you can get $20, $20 off your session just by listening to this podcast. <laughs> yes. How awesome is that? Yes. 
So the code is podcast 20 for that. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think you would love working with Erica. She is delightful as you can hear. Um, anything else that you want to share with the listeners about any challenges you've overcome, how you've overcame them, any advice for them? Um, um comes up. But what I've overcome is just the um just follow your your gut, your intuition. I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned because um you know, as I said, looking back, I was said, oh, I knew it. You know, we always have that. I knew it. My gut told me not to do that. Yes, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, before you say, you know, if, if the yes feels good, just do it. Or, you know, as long as there's no major consequences, you know, you got to think of the pros and cons, but if there's no good reason other than fear not to, I say, just go for it. Yeah. And um, find what works for you, what speaks to your soul and just do it. I love that. Such those are amazing words of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank That's you for Jane. all of us. Yeah. Awesome, Erica. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank Did we you. get to everything? Fun. I think I think that is everything. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Erica. And thank you to all you listeners. We appreciate you being being here and we'll see you next time.